This is the Elevate Church Podcast. For a list of messages and for all updates about events and more information, check out our Instagram, Facebook, or visit elevate.city. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Hey, uh, under your seat, there should be one of three candies, okay? There should be a Reese, Reese's with take five, uh, maybe a three Musketeers, uh, or nerds, okay? Now, if you don't like one or the other, just start trading real quick, okay? Just start, start trading with somebody to get what you like. Now, everybody, open it up. Open it up. Eat it. Listen, I don't care. I don't care if it's children's church or this room. Everybody loves candy, okay? Can we just give it up for candy real quick? I mean, I, yes. And the rest of you that are too good, fine, be too good. We'll, we'll eat yours. Come on, give it up for the worship team. They did an awesome, awesome, awesome job. Come on, get loud. Get real loud. Hey, there we go. Hey, we're in a series called 123, and today we're uh, preaching a message called Designer. And uh, I grabbed some of my favorite candy. Now, I went to the store the other day, and I saw this. I'm like, who is a Reese Cup fanatic? You just love some Reese's, yes, chocolate, peanut butter. So I'm, I'm at the store, and I'm like, there's Reese's with Take 5. Anybody eat Take 5, okay, uh, just a few of us, okay? And I saw it, I'm like, oh, this is fantastic, okay? And then I started to read the label, okay? Pretzels, caramel, peanut butter, peanuts, and chocolate. Come on. Can we just thank God for those ingredients right there, okay? So I, I saw these two together, I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that's a miracle, okay? That's a miracle right there. Then we got three musketeers, okay? Three Musketeers is like the filet mignon of chocolate bars, okay? You just, yeah, oh, no, no, I rebuke you all in the name of Jesus, okay? Listen, you take a bite, and it just melts. It just, like, slides down your throat, you know what I mean? You're like, more, God, more, more, okay? How about nerds, okay? Nerds, nerds? Listen, nerds is like a party in your mouth. You know what I mean? She's like, we're here to party. You know what I mean? We're here to get down, you know? Obviously, I love candy. Obviously, I love sugar. I do, in the name of Jesus. Now, here's the deal. All these candies were designed, and they have a designer. And all these candies have a purpose an identity to them. They're three very different candies with three very different purposes. And the designer who made these candies designed them with that in mind. We want you to have a different experience with nerds than we want you to have with Reese, okay? But the designer is the one who creates its purpose. Amen? Okay. God's the same way with us. God is the designer. Genesis 
the very beginning of the book of the Bible, God said, let's create humans in our image, okay? So we have the Trinity. We have Jesus, we have God the Father, and we have the Holy Spirit. And they come together and they say, let's create humans in our image. Meaning what? That they are our designer. I saw this NBC News report this week, and they were reporting that scientists around the world are looking for what they would consider the gay gene. They want to find a gene in our DNA that is the gay gene. Problem is, they can't find it. They can't find it. Why? Because we have a designer. And our designer, God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit don't have a gay gene. And when they designed us and they wove us and they put us together, God put us together and said, I have the exact purpose and design for your life. The issue most of the time is we just don't know who God is. And because we don't know who God is, we don't trust God's purpose and design for our life. See, this is the ultimate journey of following Jesus. The ultimate journey of following Jesus is coming to this place where we go, I know who he is. And because I know who he is, I then trust him with my life and trust that his plan is better than my plan that we get to a place in our souls where we go, I believe in my heart. I'm fully convinced. I'm fully persuaded. I'm fully there that God's plan is better than my plan. And I understand, like, listen, I'm going to be honest in here. There's, there's a lot of us in this room today that, you know what, we're all in different places in the journey of finding this out. And I get that, and I respect that, and I'm okay with that. As long as we all declare, though, that there's just one designer. As long as we all come to the realization that this one designer designed you perfectly. Perfectly. Like, you're not a mistake. Like, God didn't mess up with you in any way, shape, or form. I was talking to somebody recently about this, about how uh, I still have it. I have this thing called dyslexia, and, you know, reading and spelling isn't my forte. And if I text you something and it's misspelled, I'm sorry, okay? It's just what you're going to get. I love you, though, okay? And some people could very well think that God messed up on me. That God forgot something. That God didn't do the right thing, but I would argue to say that God did exactly what he wanted in my life. I'll be honest, I'm not the most book smart person you've ever met in your life. Like, we're probably not going to sit down and have, like, a political debate with each other, you know what I mean? Like, we're, but the reality about me is this, that God designed me in such a way that I don't, I don't rest in my head knowledge. I rest in the presence of God. 
So God didn't mess up anything. And if we can see that God is our designer and that he created you perfectly as he wanted you, because it's not for your purposes, it's for his. You were created with the identity and the personality and the likes and the dislikes and all these different things for an exact plan that he planned from the beginning of time. You're on the earth for a reason. You're on the earth today for this moment, for this time. Go with me to James chapter 1. If you have a Bible, if you have your, um, yes, if you have a real Bible, that is awesome. Can we give it up for real Bibles in the house? Okay, come on. Listen, I encourage you, bring your Bible Bring a notebook. If you have your phone with the Bible app, you can go there. If you don't, we'll have it on the screen. James chapter 1. We're going to look through 1 through 8. It says this. This is a letter from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. Verse 3. For the Lord knows When your faith is being tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Verse 4, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, and needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you, and he will not rebuke you for asking. Verse 6, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God Alone, don't waver, for the person who has divided loyalty is unsettled as the waves of the sea, and it is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from God. Verse 8, their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. So James is helping us to understand how to find real life change in the designer's purpose. God designs our life, and what does the enemy come to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. So the enemy comes and perverts our identity, perverts our thought life, perverts the way we think about things in this life, perverts um, our true calling of why we exist on the earth. And so James says, you know what, we need to deal with that, and we need to have true understanding of how to bring real life change. Because here's the deal. Can I just be honest? I Look, I'm, I'm at a place, and me and Jesse, we've had a lot of conversation about this. There are two things that I want to see happen in this church more than anything in my soul. I want the presence of God more than anything. I don't care if you don't like worship, and I don't care if you don't like the presence of God. I love the presence of God, and I love worship. And we're going to create a worship culture, and we're going to create a place where the presence of God explodes, okay? We believe in it. And I also believe in life change. I believe as followers of Jesus, if you look at the New Testament, Jesus didn't empower people to live in their sin. Jesus empowered people to remove their sin and to live in victory in him. And so I am not going to dumb down the word of God so that you can perpetually live in sin and do as you want and call it the grace of God because it's not. Can I get an amen? So. James, the first thing James shows us is this. James, he says this. James, a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He's saying this, my life is not my own. My life's not my own. This is a question we all have to answer. We all have to answer this question today. Is my life my own or is it the Lord's? Because I don't know about you, when I read the New Testament, when people gave their life to Jesus, it was a, it was this moment where they were pronouncing Jesus is the Lord of my life, even all the way to death. Because many of the believers in that day and time knew that they could be imprisoned or their life could be given because they believe in Jesus. It's probably, Jason, do you think it was two months ago, three months ago? Was it June? Yeah, time flies, doesn't it? Me and Jason went to lunch. We were at the Liberty Center. We enjoyed a beautiful burger from Five Guys. It was just awesome, okay? Great French fries. I even went to the steak place and got a cup of cheese for my fries. It was wonderful, okay? Wonderful. This is what Jason tells me. Jason said, I've been in church a long time. A long time. He says, he says this to me. I didn't ask him. He's just telling me. He goes, he goes, but for the first time in our life, we chose to tithe. He goes, we've been in church a long time. He goes, we just never heard anybody, like, really talk about it. But then this was the coolest part. He goes, he goes, what's crazy is, you know, obviously Ashley just had a baby, and in that Ashley's not working, and Ashley actually wanted to stay home and be with her baby, which is awesome. And Jason goes, we had no idea how this could happen, but he goes, all I know is that we started tithing. And he said, I'm giving the full 10%, like I'm tithing. And he goes, all of a sudden, I got a promotion at my job. I'm getting like increase after increase. And he's like, all of a sudden, what we needed from her, we don't need from her anymore. But how did Jason get there? He had to answer, Ashley had to answer this question. Is Jesus the Lord of my life? Because this is what James is saying. He's saying, I'm a slave. I have zero rights. None. My purpose is to do what the Lord wants me to do. I have no rights. This is really hard. We don't like this as Americans. I got a right to say what I want. I'm going to fill up Facebook with all the things that I have a right to say and do. You know what I mean? I got a right to have this attitude. I got a right to do what I want to do. I got a right to choose if I want to serve God or not. I have a right. Great. Wonderful. And I'm sure there's a bunch of churches that will back that. But if I read the New Testament... James, Paul, all these guys, they would start 
their letters by saying this. I, Paul, am a slave to Christ. Meaning I've given up my rights. The only thing I care about is serving God and putting him first and foremost. The second thing we see is this. It says this, when your endurance is fully developed, you will be made perfect and complete, needing nothing. Needing nothing. Jesus cares more about you becoming fully developed in him than being a genie in a bottle and just answering everything you're requesting all the time. Get that? See, Jesus really cares that we become fully developed, fully developed in our following Jesus. Because if he's the designer, okay, then he designs my life. Right? So, like all of you, okay? If he's the designer, especially you, Alex. I love this. Listen, man, Alex, you are looking strong today. I mean, just the, the outfit, the glasses. Whew. Alex. But if God's the designer of Alex's life, don't you think God has designed a beautiful, amazing, perfect woman of God for Alex? I do. Alex goes, amen. I'm going to find her today. Right? God knows you. He knows what makes you happy. He knows how to lead you. He knows how to guide you. His purposes are always to bless you. They're always for blessing and, and favor. See what I mean? Like, I become fully developed when I understand that he is the designer. Okay, God, design my marriage. Okay, God, design my attitude. Okay, God, design the words that come out of my mouth. This is a big thing with me right now. God's like really on me about the words that come out of my mouth, and I need some help in Jesus' name, okay? God can design it. God can design your interaction with your children, right? If I'm submitted to him, if he's number one. Third thing he says is this, but if you need wisdom, ask our glorious God and he will give it to you. John chapter 14, verse 26 says this in the Passion Translation. It says, but when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness or the Holy Spirit, the one like me who sets you free. Isn't that cool? That that's the job of the Holy Spirit. So when we were in worship today and we felt the Holy Spirit here, his job is to come and to set you free. Amen. Amen. Isn't that great? He's, it's his job. His job is to set you free says, he will teach you all things in my name, all things, how to live, how to work, how to balance life. He will teach you. He will show you. 
It goes on and says this, and he will inspire you to remember every word that I have told you. The Holy Spirit knows everything. And so James goes, if you don't know how to live in the designer's plan for anything in your life, just ask the Holy Spirit and he will tell you. The other night, Michael's doing some homework, and he's studying really late, and man, the kid has so much stinking homework all the time. What is up with homework, okay? And he's studying, and he's, I can tell that he's kind of getting it, kind of not getting it, and he's got a big test the next day, and I just, I just felt the Lord go, go over and pray over him. The Holy Spirit knows geometry, Right? Correct? You think, you think God created math? God knows math? The Holy Spirit knows math? Like God used a lot of math in the Bible? See, these are the things that we don't, like, understand sometimes about, like, God. Like, he cares about these things. And so I just went over him, and I laid my hand on him, and I just prayed. I said, Holy Spirit, you know exactly what he's studying. You know exactly what he needs to know for his test tomorrow. I pray you would empower him with wisdom and understanding and revelation. And the reality is we can do that same thing too. Sometimes you are stuck at your job, and you're like, I don't see the next step. I don't understand how to take the next step. I don't understand this relational issue between me and my boss or me and a coworker or we're stuck in something. And the Lord goes, I'm the designer. The Holy Spirit can tell you. The Holy Spirit can tell you about relational issues, issues with your you know, mother and father-in-law issues with a friend, issues, drama. God can help you. So let me give you an example. The other day, I'm leaving the church, going home. And the Lord told me a couple of things. He said, listen, I want you to go home, and I want you, this is the Holy Spirit. He goes, I want you to be nice to your wife. Can we get an amen for that? Yes, yes, yes. He said, I want you to be nice to your wife. Why? Because I had had a really stressful day. That's the last thing I want to go home and do. Like, I mean, come on, let's just be real, okay? Come on, seriously. When we've had a really tough, stressful day, we want to go home and, like, like, give me some Netflix, you know what I mean? And everybody leave me alone, and I'm going to close the door. I'm going to shut the world off, right? So the Lord told me, go home. Be nice to your wife. And he said this, be helpful tonight with the kids. Be engaged with your kids, even though you had a long day. Be engaged with your kids. He said, go home, do that. Help put the kids to bed. Woo! If you haven't had kids and you haven't had bedtime, oh, my gosh. It's like, it's like children manifest demons at bedtime, you know what I mean? They foam at the mouth, you know what I mean? You're like, oh, you're floating with crazy energy. Where did this come from? 
how many drinks is the number? You know, remember like the old thing, like how many licks to the center of the lollipop? How many drinks until we get you in bed? You know, like, okay. So God says, help, help your wife bedtime. And then God said this. He said, he said, when it's all said and done, because I had just went to a funeral the day before, and we had a really busy day. I had this funeral, and then I had to have Michael at practice, and we didn't get home too early. But when I when Jess dropped off Michael with me to the car, I had this, this suit on, and she was like, Woo, I like that. And I was like, Oh, do you? You know? <laughs> and the Lord and the Lord said, the Lord said, Go, go put that outfit on. Ask me how my night was, somebody, okay? <laughs> Just saying. Amen. But see, God cares. So you think God doesn't care about what you care about. But he does. And I love that the Holy Spirit was like, I mean, what's, what's the key to the night? The key to the night is that I went home and I was nice. That's the key. The key is I went home and I helped that night. The key that was of the night was that I was engaged into my family. Right? That's the Holy Spirit's job. He designs the days. If you allow him, he designs you at work. He designs you in your relationships. He designs you if you are submitted to him as number one. Fourth thing he shows us is this. But when you ask him, make sure you ask in faith in God alone. Psalm chapter 139, verse 7, it says this. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face. God knows you and he knows your thoughts. And there's nothing you can hide from him. And if you think you're hiding from him, you're not hiding from him. Okay? It's like when your children think that you don't know what's going on, but you really know what's going on. And God says, when you come to me, my design is that you come to me in faith, in me alone. And I want to address this topic of healing. Because I think we get very frustrated sometimes. We don't know, does God heal through doctors? Yes. Aren't you thankful for doctors? Aren't you thankful for innovation and that the medical community is 100 times different than 100 years ago? I mean, praise God for the wisdom and understanding. Yes, God heals through doctors. But does God still heal outside of doctors in 2019? And the answer is yes, 100%. Now, I think sometimes we get confused on this. So for me, when I approach somebody that needs healing, my first question is, where's your faith? Where's your faith? Because I need to identify, is your faith in the doctor or is your faith in that Jesus is going to heal you just without the doctor? Because remember what the Bible said about double-minded? Those who are double-minded receive nothing. So... About a month ago, I get home from work. I have about 30 minutes. Michael's like, hey, let's play basketball really quick. So I just run out to the court, and 
I run out there, we play for about 20 minutes, and there's just something, something happened in my right calf. I call it old man, okay? It's just all it is. When I was 20 and I ran out on the court and didn't stretch or warm up, I was good. 39, don't stretch, don't warm up. Man, something went wrong, okay? And it's been like over a month. And I don't know about you, but I'm at the point where I'm like, what is going on? And I thought, maybe I'm going to have to go to the doctor. And I was praying the other day, and the Lord just kind of prompted my heart. He was like, you know, I can take care of that issue if you want. If your faith is in me alone. So I asked myself the question, where's my faith? Where's my faith? I even told Dave, the, oh, guys, if you want to play basketball tonight, 8 o'clock, okay, we're playing basketball. Anybody's welcome. Don't care how good, don't care how bad, just come out and play. 8 o'clock tonight. Dave said to me earlier this week, you ready to play? I said, ah, I don't think I'll play this week. I said, something really, oh, my calf. Tuesday, the Lord said, I can take care of that. So I decided all right, I'm going to put my faith in God alone. I mean, it's been bad, like bad. Yesterday, I'm in here, and I was just worshiping, just worshiping, just having fun in the presence of God, myself and God. And I just said, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that I am healed because of you. I just felt this, this heat just, just flow through me, right into my calf. And it was really painful walking upstairs. I went home last night, I walked up the stairs, and I was like, oh, wait. That pain's, that pain's not there anymore. And I was like, oh. And I saw right away, I just started saying, thank you, Jesus, you healed me. Thank you, Jesus, that you healed me. Thank you, Jesus, that you healed me. What is it? It's faith in him alone, the designer. He designed my body. He knows my body. He knows exactly what's wrong with my body. He knows exactly how to heal my body. But I came to this place where I'm like, okay, God, I'm not. Because here's the deal. He knows our thoughts. You get it? Like, I'm praying and believing, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, if this doesn't work, I'm going to the doctor tomorrow. You know what's interesting is that I prayed for healing on Wednesday, but didn't receive it till last night. <laughs> you like that? Do you see what God's doing? It's going, is, are you really in me? In me alone? Is your faith in me alone? Come to me about anything, but make sure that your faith is in me alone. Number five, worship team, you guys can come on up says this, don't waver like the person who's with divided loyalty. Is unstable as the waves of the sea. It's blown and tossed by the wind. Such people shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. You know who had divided loyalty? The children of Israel. So God 
rescues his people out of slavery. Pulls them out of slavery. Says, I have this beautiful land that I've designed for you, my people. And so they walk out of Egypt. I mean, they're slaves. They're beaten down slaves. And they walk out of Egypt fully healed. And they walk out of Egypt with all the gold, all the wealth of Egypt. And God goes, I'm going to take you, we're going to worship in the desert, and then I'm going to take you to the land that I've designed for you. But their loyalty is divided. They're like, yeah, God, we know that you just rescued us. Yeah, God, we know that we're healed. Yeah, God, we know that we have all of the wealth. Yeah, God, we know we're here. But God, do you, do you see that Pharaoh is still coming? Like Pharaoh's on his way, and we don't know how we're going to cross? God goes, that's all right. I'll make a way. I'll make a way where there is no way. Did you hear that? I'll make a way where there is no way. God goes, I'm the designer of your life, and I'll make a way where you think there is no way. I'll make the way. They get through that moment. Israel gets into the desert. They start going, hey, God, thanks for the healing. Thanks, God, for the money. Thanks, God, for making a way where there was no way. Thanks, God. But did you bring us out here to just kill us in the desert? Was that your plan? We were better off in Egypt. What's going on? Their loyalty is divided. They don't know where they stand. Do I stand with the designer or do I stand with what makes me feel comfortable? Because here's the deal. They knew their whole identity was what? Slave. And so often in our lives, we have more identity with our slave nature than we do our freedom nature. We have more identity in our sickness. So when we have sickness, when we have pain, we talk about the sickness, we talk about the pain all the time because it's our identity. Listen, I shared a whole thing about dyslexia, but you guys know I never talk about it because that's not my identity. That I could use it as a crutch, but I go, no, the Holy Spirit's more powerful than that. He strengthens me. So all they know is we're slaves. That's all we know. I was talking to somebody uh, about a year ago, and they were telling me this. They were like, man, we are so broke. And I was like, are you giving? They're like, yeah, right. We are so broke. How could we give? I'm like, how can you afford not to give? But their, their response told me where they're at. Their response is a slave. A slave to what? Debt a slave to lack, a slave to we don't have, a slave to we are broke. This is their identity. We're broke. And God goes, I want to free you from being broke all the time. I never intended for you to be broke. Just come under my design. Come under my purposes. Come under my plans. Come underneath me. Some of you are angry. Your identity is anger. 
Some of you are disappointed. Your identity is disappointment. You see this? And God goes, I'm the designer. I never designed you to be disappointed. I never designed you to live in this brokenness. I designed you to live in me. But I need you to come up underneath, like James said, I'm a slave to Christ. He's number one. Why don't you stand up this morning? So this is what God does. God goes, I need you to know me. I need to show you who I am. So Exodus chapter 34, verse 5, it says this. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, meaning Moses. God comes down in a cloud and he goes, Moses, I'm going to show you all my glory. I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to reveal to you who I am. I know you don't understand who I am. I know Israel doesn't understand who I am. So I'm going to reveal to you who I am. And I really believe that God wants you to hear the same thing today, that God goes, I want you to hear who I am. Some of you are questioning who God is. Some of you are questioning, can I really trust God this way? Some of you are questioning, can I live that, that life where I is, yes, Jesus is the Lord of my life, and I'm a slave to him. I'll give up all my rights to him. And he goes, let me share with you who I am before you make that decision. Verse 5. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood before him. He called out his name. Yahweh. And so I looked up, what does Yahweh mean? Yahweh means the God of Israel. But in the New Testament, Yahweh had a new definition. The new definition was Jesus. Jesus was Yahweh. And what did Jesus mean? What did Jesus stand for? Savior. So God goes, I am Yahweh. I am your Savior. I can save you from anything. I can pull you out of anything. I can pull you out of any pit. I can pull you out of any depression. I can pull you out of any anger. I can pull you out of any lack. I can pull you. I'm the Savior. I can reach down and I can pull you up. I can pull on your marriage. I can pull on your job. I can pull on your relationships. I can save anything that's broken. He says, I'm Yahweh. The God, the one and only God. And you have to decide, am I going to serve the God of lack? Am I going to serve the God of depression? Am I going to serve the God of anger? Am I going to serve the God of a broken marriage? Am I going to serve these other gods? Or am I going to serve Yahweh? Yahweh. And the Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. Isn't it interesting? The first thing that God reveals to them is, listen, I'm a God of compassion and mercy. God says to you today, I'm full of compassion for you. You think that God is angry, and he's not. You think God is frustrated or disappointed in you, and he's not. And he goes, my mercy, my mercy abounds to you. 
My mercy abounds for your mistakes. My mercy abounds for the mess of things that have gone on in your life. Some of you are just living out some of the things that you grew up with. And he goes, my mercy will cover. My mercy will abound. My mercy runs after you. And then he says this, I am slow to anger. I love that the word declares that his mercy for you is new every single morning. Every morning. Every morning you wake up, God goes, fresh mercy, fresh grace. Fresh mercy, fresh grace. Slow to anger. And filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Verse 7. I lavish unfailing, unfailing love. His love. To a thousand generations. I forgive their iniquities, rebellion, and sin. Thanks for listening to Elevate Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us for service on Sundays or at a dinner party on Friday nights. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, or website at elevate.city for more information.